Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. We're so excited that you guys are here, man. We're going to jump straight into the This Is Us series for today. And man, it's been one of those weeks. We've been getting phone call after phone call. People have been sick and all those things. We were just praying for everybody, all of you guys that are at home. And so we appreciate you not coming here sick, just for the record. Okay, so in Jesus' name. All right, but today we want to talk about bridge builders and barrier breakers. Turn to your neighbor and say bridges. Turn now look at the person you just neglected on the other side of you and say barriers. All right, and so we want to talk about that for a second. I remember growing up and uh, Pastor Dan, he's a, he's a woods guy. All right. So he loves being in the woods, hunting in the woods, shooting things in the woods. Like just, he's just like, you know, he's that guy. And uh, I remember growing up hunting with him and I'm not a very patient person. All right. So you can imagine me as a teenager. I'm a musician. I want to sleep till 11 a.m. or 1 p.m. Whatever works really. Right. I don't want to wake up early. You got to wake up at like 3.30 in the morning to go hunting. And I'm like, God's not even up right now. Why am I awake? Right. And so I remember getting up. So I, went, I remember the very first time I ever shot this deer. Uh, we went out hunting and it was super early and really cold. Is there anybody in here that you love to be really cold under your blanket? And that's like the best sleep you've ever had. Come on, help me. Like, if I can get cold and then under a blanket, just leave me alone for two or three months. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a hibernate. So I remember I was in this little shooting house. It's this little box. And so I was in there and I, I fell asleep on the ground. So my dad wakes me up. Hey, Brad, there's a deer. And I'm like, I get up. I'm like, mm-mm. You know, and, uh, and so I, I looked at his go, pow, shoot it, falls down. I'm like, and then he's like, oh, great shot. And I just went right back to sleep. <laughs> I was like, thanks, appreciate that. And I was out. And I'm like 11 or 12. So I, and then another one walks out and he's like, hey, listen, you can have, you know, we've got multiple doe tags. You can kill. And I was like, so I get up, pow, it runs off, falls. Go, I go right back to sleep. All that to say, I'm not really cut out for that life. Just not. And then I remember going deep sea fishing with him for the first time too. So we go deep sea fishing. And here's the thing that I realized about deep sea fishing. Anyway, first of all, are there any deep sea fishers in here? Are you guys any, like, any, yeah, well, there's, all right. So here's what I didn't know about deep sea fishing until the first time I went. After you're done catching fish, you don't get to go home. You're out there all day. Like endless ocean all day. And I, I remember I caught like three fish and I was like, all right, that's, that's all there is to experience in this. Like, no, no, we can just keep catching them. I'm like, nah, that don't sound fun to me at all. I was like, what time are we leaving? They're like, well, we got out here at seven. It's nine. So we're probably going to go home around four. four. So we were out there all day. But the one thing I remember about fishing is that uh, when you want to catch different types of fish, you got to use different types of bait, right? Because you can't catch all the fish with the same bait. And I feel like in church world, what we've tried to do is we've tried to take one presentation of Jesus and make everybody like it. And instead of saying, man, how can we take church? How can we take Jesus? How can we take religion? How can we take all of these things, even how we present the Bible to people? And how can we not necessarily change this, but maybe change the approach we take to this. Which is why I think so many people have fallen in love with Jesus here is because they finally found a place where they can experience Jesus the way Jesus is trying to experience them. They've been trying to meet them in a special way. And so, 
<clears throat> I know that's important. So here's the question that I have as we try to unpack that a little bit. Was it, what is it in my life that is disrupting my ability to fully experience Jesus? I want you to think about that for a second. What is it in my life that is disrupting my ability to fully experience Jesus? Is there something in your life? Is there something that's happened to you? Maybe just a perception that you have or a way that you've been thinking that it's disrupting your ability to fully experience Jesus. In other words, are you trying to experience Jesus with very strict limitations that, hear me, Jesus never put on himself. Maybe you've just put on him. Are you trying to experience Jesus through a lens that, with, with very strict limitations that Jesus never put on himself, but maybe just growing up in church, you put those things on him. I want to go to John chapter 4 as we look at this story with this woman that Jesus meets. See, Jesus and the disciples are traveling. We're in John chapter 4. And if you're using the paper notes, we move some scriptures around on you. So don't think that you got the wrong ones. You got the right ones. We just move some things around. But in John chapter 4, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. And as he's traveling with his disciples, he gets to a new town. And he's hungry. And the disciples are hungry. So they go into the town to find food. And as they go into town, he sits down by this well. And when he sits down beside this well, this woman comes up. And that's where we're going to pick up and verses 7 through 9, because I want to show you how Jesus interacts with this woman despite all of the things that have truly disrupted her ability to perhaps experience the very thing that she's looking for. And so in verse 7, it says, as soon as Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So for the record, Jesus was a Jew, and he's talking with Samaritan, and that type of interaction shouldn't have been happening at that time frame. They just didn't interact like that. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? In verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And so here we have this interaction between this woman and Jesus. And I believe what many of us have experienced over time, again, is this limitation in how we can experience Jesus. This limitation in how we can <clears throat> talk with him and engage with him and how, how, how our relationship can be built with him. For many of us, things have happened in our life that have put a lid on our ability to truly experience Jesus the way he wished we would. And so here's these things that this woman is Acknowledge, kind of stand in the way. And I'm here to tell you something. All of us either have something we have to get over, say over, or all of us have something we have to get through, say through, to get to Jesus. Because there's some things in your life, listen to me, you haven't gotten over yet. And because you haven't gotten over them yet, you can't experience Jesus fully yet. There's some things that because some things have happened to you in your life, you put up some walls around you to protect you. You put up some barriers around you. And because of those barriers, you can't fully experience Jesus yet. I'm going to tell you that Jesus wants to expose to us how those things may be limiting our experience. So hear me, because he wants us to experience him fully. And so I want to take you on a journey showing you how you can change your approach to Jesus, and the very first thing I want you to know is that there is a bridge between where you are and where God wants you to be. There is a bridge between where you are 
and where God wants you to be. Listen, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter how good you're doing right now, there's still a better place God wants you to be in. There's still a better place that God wants every single one of us to be in. And listen to me, there's a bridge between where you are and where God wants you to be. When we go back to this story in John chapter 4, let's pick up at verse 13. And so Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water. So again, he asked for water. She says, you, we're not supposed to be interacting right now. And he says, if you knew what I was trying to give you, if you knew who you were talking to, he said, you wouldn't have a problem with it. And she's, she's continuing to look at the reason why Jesus can't do something. And he's trying to show her the reason he needs to do something. And so he looks at her and says, anyone who drinks this water from this well will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. Say never. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Because she still didn't get what he was trying to say. Has anybody had Jesus bring something to you? And so when he brings it to you, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a variation of what I still want. Rather than looking at the thing that Jesus wants for you. Anyway, has anybody ever tried to look at Jesus as a prepackaged version of your greatest dreams instead of looking at his dreams for you? And so he's going, I, I've got something I want to give you that's bigger than what you're looking for. And she goes, oh, cool, that might be a way for me to still get what I want. And Jesus is going, you're missing the point, right? See, she wanted a temporary solution to what Jesus was trying to give her, an eternal solution. She was looking for a temporary, oh, man, that could really work for what I'm aiming for. And Jesus is saying, you don't even know what you really need right now. I don't, I don't want to give you something temporary. I don't, I don't just want to solve this short-term little immediate problem. Your thirst so that you don't have to drink water again is one thing. The desire in your heart for something bigger, something better, something greater, that thing, that longing in you to look for the King of Kings, to look for the Messiah, to look for the one that could save you and transform your life. He's standing right in front of you. And all you can think about is water. And he said, if you only understood what I'm trying to give you. See, for many of us, maybe you fall into this category. Has anyone ever tried to be your own savior for the problems in your own life? Oh, seven of us. The rest of you are liars. I said, has anybody ever tried to be your savior for your life? Like, has anyone ever tried to work hard enough to be good enough to get God to do enough so that you could have enough? Like, has anybody ever done, tried to do enough and work hard enough so that you can be good enough to show God why you are enough to be able to go to heaven, even though you haven't done what he's asked you to do? You, you haven't come to him. You haven't truly been saved. You've just been trying to go to church enough and not cuss out too much to me. Like, if I can get these two things together, I'm good. And the reality is God's saying, man, I, you're, you're trying to save yourself. I'm trying to show you you need me to save you. And so he's, he's looking at her and she's trying to find these temporary fixes in her life. And I'm here to ask you, have any of you ever tried to give yourself temporary fixes in your life? Have you looked at your job as your God before? Have you looked at your career as your God before? Have you looked at your degree as your God before? Have you ever looked at how much money you make and thought that if I could just make that much money, if I, if I could reach that kind of income, then I could be this successful. And if I'm that successful, that father figure or that person in my life would think differently about me. And if they would think differently about me, then I would feel differently about me. And then I'm looking for validation from people that can't truly give me the affirmation that God is the only one that can structure for me. And so what do we do? We start, we start trying to to obtain in this life what God says, I'm the only one that can really fulfill this for you. 
And here we are spinning our wheels like we're on a treadmill trying to be what God said. He's the only one he can give. He said, you keep wanting water, but what I give you nourishes the soul. He said, I've got something eternal for you. And I'm here to tell you today that the bridge between where you are and where God wants you to be, his name is Jesus. Because he's the only one that can help you get over all the things in the life that you keep trying to obtain rather than getting the one person in life that can truly bring great fulfillment. And so she's talking with him and Jesus looks at her and says, I tell you what, since you want it, go and get your husband. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. And then in verse 17, she says, I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're with right now isn't your husband. Right? And she looks at him and goes, you're telling the truth. And Jesus is like, oh, I know. This isn't, I'm, I'm reading into the text. But he, Jesus is like, oh, I know that I know. I want to make sure you know that I know. Right? He looks at her and he says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now isn't your husband either. And I, I think that when we look at this passage in the Bible, we look at it as Jesus condemning this woman, trying to make her feel guilty. Like, you know, don't stop. Just stop being that way. But I think Jesus was doing a kindness to her when he said this to her. I don't think that it was a scolding conviction. I think it was a, an exposing of her heart. See, he wasn't trying to say, shame on you for, this, for being this type of way. He was saying, the thing you've been looking for this whole time, I'm the only one that can fill it. I don't believe that Jesus was looking at her saying, I can't believe this is, this is going to be number six for you. I can't believe that you keep doing these things. I can't believe you keep going. I can't, I can't believe you. I, I don't believe that Jesus was coming to her with that type of demeanor. I think he was trying to expose to her. You keep looking in all the wrong places for all the right things. And you're not going to find what you're looking for in another relationship. You're only going to find it when you come to me because I'm the bridge between where you are and where you wish you were. And so he comes to her and he points this out. And she had to see that what she was chasing wouldn't be what she was finding. And so he comes to her and he shows her, man, you've got, this, you've got this stuff in your life. And listen to me, I'm the only one that can bridge you over from where you are to where you want to be. But then the second thing we have to understand is that your barriers, your barriers may be hurting you more than they're helping you. Your barriers may be hurting you more than they're helping you. Can I help you out for a second? Did you know the only difference between walls of a prison and walls for protection are who holds the keys? I'm going to say it again. The only, difference between, the only difference between the walls of a prison and the walls for protection are who holds the keys. That's Jesus affirming what I just said right now. <laughs> so, right? Hear me. You see, it's understandable for some of you that you don't want to trust people again because of how bad people did you wrong before. 
It's understandable that you don't want to give people permission to speak into your life again. You're keeping people at arm's distance again. For some of you, you've went through some of the worst things imaginable. You've went through so many difficulties. You had so many experiences that those things were difficult for you. But listen to me, I'm here to tell you, as long as you keep holding everyone else accountable for what that person did to you, the things you're trying to protect yourself with are going to be the prison that you end up dying in. And we have to find it in us to introduce ourselves to this idea that the barriers that are in front of us are the very things that may destroy us. Because listen to me, unforgiveness is surrendering the keys to your walls to somebody else. Unforgiveness is surrendering the keys to your walls to someone else. Here's what you're doing. When you hold unforgiveness in your heart, you're giving them the key and saying, you get to unlock this whenever you're ready. Instead of you holding the key and saying, I'm going to unlock this because I'm ready. And so what do we do? We keep coming back to this place. And in John 4, 19 through 20, we go back to the woman. She says, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Duh. (laughs) He just told her her whole business, right? She's like, I see that you're probably a prophet. It's like, he's something all right. I can see that you're a prophet. She says, our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. And I love, here, here's what she did. I, I, and, and maybe you can read this into the text with me for just a second. Jesus shows her what she needs. She still doesn't get it. So Jesus reveals to her all the ways she's been trying to get it somewhere else and she still doesn't get it. And then finally, whenever he exposes to her that she's been trying to solve all of her internal problems on her own and not letting God be the source of all the things, she then turns to religion and blames it on that. She goes, well, we need to figure out which mountain we're supposed to be worshiping on. And I love how Jesus looks at her and he's like, Man, I'm not, we're not trying to figure all this out right now. But she says, you believe this and we believe this. And she starts trying to use religion and church and experiences. Listen to me, as the reasons that she has these barriers up around her and she can't truly experience Jesus, right? And it makes me wonder this. Because I was thinking through as I was reading this story, and I wonder if at some point in her life, knowing that she's on her second or third husband, knowing that she's looking for something she can't find, did she ever show up to a church service looking for someone to give her a solution and all she got was religious jargon? Did she ever show up to an environment going, please, I just need help. There's obviously something in my life that I'm looking for that I can't find. Can someone show me what I'm looking for? And instead of someone trying to help, all they did was chastise. Instead of of giving her the solution, which at the time wasn't even Jesus yet, but it was still hope in God and the kingdom that is coming, which is God. And instead of getting what she was looking for, I wonder if she showed up saying, I've got something in me I need some help with. And all she got was just pray a little harder. I wonder if all she got was, you just need more faith. And because of that, she starts putting walls up around herself saying, if no one can help me, then I'm going to do this on my own. And how many of you have ever found that doing it on your own is the worst way you can do it? Because how many guys know left to yourself, you make the worst decisions you've ever made. And she goes, if no one else can help me, I'm going to keep trying to solve this internal problem on my own. But the problem is, is her solution to the internal problem is what she was already doing. And perhaps she just keeps going down this same journey of trying to solve whatever it is that's missing from her life by putting new things into her life. 
And he looks at her and goes, that's not what you need. And we go to John chapter 4, 25 through 26, continuing the story. The woman said, he says, the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. In other words, she's saying, I know there's brokenness in me. I know there's some issues going on. We haven't quite gotten all those things figured out. But she says, here's what I know. We've been taught that there's a Messiah coming. There's, there's someone with the solution. There's someone with the answers. And when he gets here, he's going to explain everything. And I love that Jesus declares, she, he says, I, the one you're speaking to, I am he. That's me. He said, the one you've been waiting on, that's me. The one that has a solution to your, that's me. You see, I wasn't just asking for water from you earlier. I was looking for the opportunity to help you. Everything that you're looking for, I am what you're looking for. But I just, know, I know that it's crazy though, because some people, for some people, pain introduces barriers. Pain puts up barriers for people. What, what you've gone through in your life is the reason you've put up the walls in front of you. And I'm here to tell you today that if you don't start letting those walls down, everything you built to be your protection will stay your prison. And so I want to give you these four things real quick just to help you out. Four steps to removing pain-induced barriers. All right, I want to give these to you quickly because this isn't the message. This is just something I felt like could help you. The first thing, you got to diagnose. you got to diagnose, why am I the way that I am? <clears throat> In other words, who caused it? Identify who caused it and identify what your behavior pattern is because of the cause. Man, this person hurt me, and because this person hurt me, I keep trying to prove this to these people. This person hurt me, and because this person hurt me, I keep going to alcohol, or I keep going to drugs, or I keep going to relationships, or I keep going to sex, or I keep going to whatever. I keep trying to solve this thing in me because of this. The second thing you have to do is you have to detox. You have to detox. Now, when I say detox, I don't necessarily mean like detox as in like, you know, an extended period of time off of drugs. However... For some of us, maybe that is exactly what you need to do. But I'm also talking about we need to detox. When I say detox, we need to get out of the environment that damaged us because you'll never heal in the same environment you got hurt. So for some of us, we need to sever some relationships in the meantime so that we can grow into the person God's trying to make us into. Because some of us will never grow into what God wants us to be because we're only surrounded by the people we need to get away from. So when I say detox, what I mean is we need to break some relationships. We need to break some connections. We need to get out of some environments and get into some new environments, which brings me to the third thing we need to do, and that's going to the discovery phase. You need to rediscover what God wants for you instead of constantly telling God why he can't do what he wants to do just because somebody broke, broke you. You see, some of you believe that the damage someone else caused was irreversible damage, but I'm here to tell you that God says that the calling that he placed on your life is irrevocable. It's irreplaceable. It can't be turned away. So God, listen to me, God put a calling on your life and he took into account what you would go through when he gave it to you. And so God has a desire, but he wants you to discover, and listen to me, some of us need to rediscover what God wants for our lives. Which brings me to the last part, and that's when we need to go into a development phase. We need to go into a development phase. What do I mean by that? You need to start putting yourself in an environment and around people that are going to start shaping you into the very person you want to be. And the very person God wants you to be. Can I just be like brutally honest with you for just a second? You can use your excuse 
as long as you want to, to remain the same person you currently are. But healing is a choice. And you got to want it more than you want an excuse for being hurt. See, some of us don't want to be healed and we don't want to be whole because as long as we have an excuse for our behavior, then we can keep blaming who we are and what we do on somebody else. But healed people take accountability or take responsibility for their own life and they bring accountability into their life to be who God's called them to be. I'm going to tell you, for some of you, you're going to hear this message and you're going to do exactly what we're talking about. And the best version of your life is not far away. Because it's time that you start changing some things. And so we got to start developing those things inside of us. But here, I want to help you out with something that's in your notes. But I think it's so interesting how our pain has a way of convincing us that solitude means security. Our pain has a way of convincing us that solitude, isolation, being by myself means I'm safe. No, it doesn't. It just means you know the villain better. Come on, help me out. Anybody ever know, anybody ever know, like, you are not safer by yourself, you just know you better. Does anybody else give themselves more grace than you would give anybody else to do stupid things? Don't look at me like that. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody here give yourself more grace? Like, if your friend was doing some of the things you do, you'd be like, hey, bro, you need to get that together. But because it's you, you're like, ah, it's all right, you had a rough week. Right? Listen to me. Solitude doesn't help you, and solitude doesn't mean security. Solitude just means you know the villain better. And for some of us, it's better that we would rather be damaged with what we know, meaning ourselves, than get safe with what we don't know, meaning others. I'm going to tell you, God wants to remove the barriers from your life so that healing and wholeness can be something you actually obtain. He wants it for you. He has this desire that you would experience those things. And so what do we do? We go to the last thing as we get ready to wrap up today. And that's this idea that it's time that we embrace something new. It's time to embrace something new. Turn to your neighbor and say new. I know you're writing, but turn to the person next to you again and say new. It's time that we embrace something new. I want all of you to clench up your fist for just a second, if you will. Even those at home, just clench up your fist and put your fist together, right? I want you to pretend that you're holding on to something with your two hands. And as you're holding on to something with your two hands, right, whatever it is that you're holding on to, it requires both hands to keep a hold of it, all right? So we're going to pretend that it's a cougar. That'll destroy you if you're not careful. You know what I mean? It's like, no, it's, it's a little, oh, oh. What the Woodham High School dog, you better chill out with that. Uh, but I want you to pretend for a second that you're holding on to something with two hands, right? And I want you to pretend for just a second that anything you would have in your life would take two hands to hold on to, all right? And I want you to imagine for a second that I'm holding a ball and I'm going to get ready to throw it at you. And if you catch it, you get a million dollars. What could you buy for a million dollars? Come on, don't act like you and your spouse, girlfriend, boy, whatever, hadn't talked about this before. Y'all know, we all have that, I, if I won the lottery conversation, you know what I'm talking about? And <laughs> we're like, we would buy this, we would buy this, and we would buy this, right? My wife's like, I would open five pit bull rescues. I'm like, all right. <clears throat> anyway, so here we go. I'm going to get ready to throw it to you. You ready? Again, but you can only have one thing in your hand at a time. If I throw it to you, what are you going to do? Are you going to let go of what you're, okay, this is enough of this.
down. I'll yell. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Let's just order a whole new one of those. But I want you to think for a second. All right, one more time, just for the sake of time. Thank you. I just can't with this. It's like third week in a row with that stupid thing. All right. So I, you, got, you got two hands. I'll throw it to you. Ready? One, two, three. Boom. What did you do? You let go of whatever you're holding on to, didn't you? Because what was coming at you was better than what you had. You see, you can't hold on to who you are and who God wants you to be. Which means if you're going to grab a hold of what God wants you to be, you're going to have to let go of what you were. You see, God has a genuine desire that you would let go. Because listen to me, you can only straddle the fence for so long. Not before, I don't think it's one of the things at, and currently in this moment where God's just going to disown you. I think it's only a matter of time before you can't hold down both lives at one time. So it's time to embrace something new. And there's kind of three different things I just want to quickly give them to you of what it looks like to embrace something new. The first, first one, we actually go back to the story. And it says Mark 4, I think it's John 4, but... We go to the story of the woman then leaving her water jar. So the woman goes to the well to get water. She's there getting water. She meets Jesus. The whole story, we just unpacked it, right? Jesus reveals to her all of these things. And as he's revealed to her all these things, she leaves the water jar there. It says she leaves the water jar. She went back into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, that's quite a statement for a woman with five husbands. I want you to think about this for just a second. Everyone in town knows who she is. Like, come on, y'all got a friend that's had three bad relationships and you tell people about them. Come on, help me out. Like, for some of y'all, this is your fourth Facebook relationship. And we would just like to know what happened to the other ones. We're all invested now. So we would all just, can you just help us out? We need the ending as much as we needed the beginning, okay? We need closure on your relationships. Anyway, so, but the, she, she goes into town and she's, she's telling her, come see this man that told me everything I ever did. And they're probably sitting, I could see the people in the town, like, everything you ever did? Surely he don't know everything. And I want you to imagine for a second the type of, courage, the type of grit, the type of tenacity, the, the type of understanding. She came looking for one thing, and listen, what Jesus gave her was so good that she left it there to go tell everyone she could find about how good this new thing was. She, she leaves her water jug, she runs into town and tells the people, come see this man who told me everything I could do. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. She knew she wasn't going to be accepted. But she wanted to make a declaration, listen to me, as the woman she is, not the woman she used to be. Because when you meet Jesus, who you are is no longer who you used to be. She the, the affair-having, multi-husband woman was who she used to be. But the woman who just had an encounter with Jesus is who she is. 
The woman with these problems of not receiving affirmation and looking in love, looking for love in all of the wrong places is who she used to be, but it's not who she is. The woman that was looking, trying to fill that hole in her heart with relationship after relationship is who she used to be, but it's not who she is. And I'm here to tell for some of you, you keep, you're, you're looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places, but I'm here to tell you that who you used to be doesn't have to be who you are, but there will be a changing life-defining moment where Jesus encounters you, where things change, where you cross the bridge, where you tear down the barriers and you let something new happen in your life, but listen to me, you don't get to hold on to what you've got and get something new. And she goes into town and she says, listen to me, I want to encourage you with something. If you're going to experience Jesus fully, you're going to have to try something new. And listen to me, for some of you, it's going to be, you're going to have to let new people into your life. You're going to have to let new people into your life. You don't know what the old people did. I don't. But the old people aren't the new people. Who you used to be isn't who you are. And what you went through doesn't have to be what you'll go through again. So you have to experience new people, but then you also have to experience new processes. Turn your neighbor and say processes. You have to experience new processes. And for some of us, it's experiencing God in church differently than we have in the past. I'm going to say it again. It's experiencing God in church differently than we have in the past. For some of you, Transformation Church is a whole new, different kind of church for you. We got people come in, they're like, yeah, I've been Catholic my whole life. I'm like, ooh. It's a little louder, a little brighter. We only get up and down a few times, though. So, easier on the hamstring. No, like, but, hey, you got to try new processes. And we've had people come to us in the past and they're like, I just don't know if I agree with everything that you do. And I'm like, that's fine. I don't agree with everything I do. So, but like, but okay, you know, it's like, I don't know. And, and here's what I, I want you to understand. I, I love uh, in Acts chapter 17, we're not going to go there for time, but in Acts chapter 17, Paul is trying to minister. He's trying to give the gospel to these people in Athens. And as he's trying to give the gospel to people in Athens, he goes into the town and, and in the town, they weren't non-religious. They were overly religious. They didn't have, it's not that they didn't believe in God. It's that they believed in too many gods. And he goes there, and rather than rebuking them, saying, hey, you need to know who the real God is. None of these people are real. He could have said that and been right. But instead of doing that, listen to me, he goes into Athens, and, and he looks around, and he finds a statue that says, the unknown God. And he says, ah, oh, you don't know who this one is yet. And instead of demanding that they change their culture, he stepped into their culture and introduced Jesus into their space rather than forcing them to come out of their space and come into his. And what we aim to do as a church is we aim to build an environment where I'm not demanding you make changes yet. I'm inviting you into a space where you can meet Jesus here and then we'll start shifting things as you know him. But we're gonna be intentional about helping people get to Jesus rather than demanding that they change everything first and then come to Jesus. We wanna create an environment where it's part of our culture because listen to me, I wanna help you out when it comes to processes. There's people, there's processes, and here's the reality, right? The method isn't what's sacred, the message is. The method isn't what's sacred, the message is. We'll never change the gospel, but we will change ways we present it. Which, I wanna give you this, in uh, at the last two weeks of November, we're doing church at the movies. What, what? So if you don't know what Church of the Movies is, we're literally going to, we're taking movies, we're gonna edit them down to the time frame for the service, 
right? And we're going to watch movies with preaching interjected into the movies. And we're going to show how the gospel shows up in movies like The Guardian for this year. And we're also doing Home Alone, all right? And so we're literally going to preach and show the movie for The Guardian and Home Alone. And here's the deal. There's invite cards that look like little blockbuster tickets, all right? Um, Oh, man, teenagers. Blockbuster is a store that we used to go to. Never mind, don't worry about it. So, but there's little tickets out there. I want you to listen to me. Invite people that don't know Jesus to this. This is your opportunity to say, hey, listen, you ain't never been in a church service like this before. We're going to have popcorn. We're going to have candy. It's going to be a movie theater. Coke, Sprites, cotton candy, like just the whole nine. It's going to be amazing. So invite people out to that. So you're going to need to engage with new people. You're going you're to want to engage with new processes. And then lastly, I'll give you this, and we'll, we'll close for today. You want to engage with new potential. A new potential. I had shoulder surgery recently. And uh, some of the people here uh, were part of the team that helped do shoulder surgery on me, which I don't know how I feel about that, actually. So, you know, just when you're getting surgery done on you, that's not the most, like, not the best way you've ever looked. You know what I'm saying? So, but anyways, uh, they, were, they were there. And here's one of the things I've learned uh, having multiple sports injuries, right, is that after surgery, there's always a season of healing. But at some point, if you don't get mobile with your body, the healing, listen to me, becomes a limitation. And for some of us, because of what we went through, we've spent an extended period of time healing and we never got mobile. Because of what we went through 20 years ago, we never got moving again with the purpose that God called us to. I'm here to tell you that if you stay immobilized too long in the healing season, you'll never be able to stretch, you'll never be able to move, and you'll never be able to function the way God designed you to. Because you've let the pain of the past dictate your mobility in the present. And God wants, listen to me, big things for you. He wants big things for you. And you're going to need to be able to stretch and be agile and move quickly, metaphorically. Because for some of us, we ain't moving that quick. I ain't going to lie to you. All right? Not all of us are college athletes in here. All right? So, but we need to, in the spirit world, we, we need to be ready for what God is doing in our lives. So I'm here to tell you we're here for you. But listen to me. We want to help you do this because we need you to help us help other people do this. At Transformation Church, we're bridge builders and we're barrier breakers. And what that means is this. Unity drives us to cross over or tear down what separates us to reach new and different people in new and different ways. We're always going to be looking for ways to cross over and tear down everything so that we can reach new and different people in new and different ways. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you for, God, how you've changed so many things in our lives already, God. And Lord, for those of us that are here, that as we've started talking, we've started looking at things in our life that we honestly need Jesus to help bridge over, things in our life that we honestly, we need Jesus to help change, things in our life we need need Jesus to, to help us get 
past because there's, there's some things in our life we've let become more important than you, God. And I, I pray that we would see how Jesus wants to be the solution to those things. Jesus, you're better than everything that we've experienced in our life. And so, God, I pray that we would see how you are helping us get past things, but then, God, I also pray that you show us how you're helping tear down the things we've put up, the walls that we've put up, the barriers we've put up. God, we've built walls of protections that have become prisons, and I pray that you would help us see how we can have those things torn down in Jesus' name so that we can experience something new. God, the way we encountered you before won't be the way we encounter you again. Your word never changes, but God, you're always introducing yourself to us in a fresh way, and I pray that we would have a desire for that. So God, I pray that we would know you. In Jesus' name, if you're here, and you, you would say, I just, to be honest with you, Brad, I don't, I don't know that my life belongs to Jesus. I know enough about God to know that my life's not right with God. I know sin has separated me from God just like it has all of us. But listen to me, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the sins that are separating you from God. And today, if you wanna know him, today, if you want a fresh start, today, if you wanna be saved from an eternity away from him in hell and have an eternity with him in heaven, then today, all it takes is faith, believing that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins. And if you believe that today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church will pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. Let's put words to what we're feeling in our heart. That's that, God, I'm giving you my life. Jesus, I'm believing in you because you can be saved today. So let's pray out loud. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that. Perhaps for the first time, we celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.